In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Most of you guys know that uh, we live uh, pretty close to the Smoky Mountains, so there's a lot of like really nice trails and uh, really nice views that you can go if you like uh, the outdoors and that sort of thing. I wanted to share with you uh, some, you know, there's like some places where there's a lot of visitors and then they have like, at some of the, uh, the parks, they have like comment cards, you can put comments. And so these are some of the comments of the, uh, the responses. These are actually really responses from people who went hiking on the trails. One of them says, the trail needs to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Uh, another one says, there are too many bugs, too many leeches and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to get rid of these pests. Uh, another one says, there are too many rocks in the mountains. These are actual comments that people are, are, are putting in the comment, in the suggestion box. Uh, when they're going on trails in, in, in the mountains. Uh, the comments and the complaints, they indicate that the people who actually made the comments, they don't really understand what it means to stay in a wilderness area. They're looking for something convenient and comfortable, but they're not really looking for a wilderness experience. Actually, one of the comments I didn't read, it said that they were wishing that there'd be a McDonald's. It was like, it's, it's pretty convenient, but it'd be even better if there was a McDonald's on one of the trails so that we could stop and we could eat uh, before we finish hiking. Actually, in a very, very similar way, uh, many of us as Christians don't really understand what it means uh, to be a true Christian. There are people uh, among us, you know, ourselves included, that um, we claim to be Christians, but we do so like on our own terms rather than His own. And we don't really understand the definition of discipleship. And because of this, there are many people who consider themselves followers of Christ who actually are not. Even though in many ways they look like followers of Christ. They go to church, they have a profession of faith, they say the creed just like everyone else. They might read their Bibles, they may pray, they may even give their tithes, but they're not really Christians. They're not, at least they're not living and thinking like real Christians. Our Lord Jesus Christ confronts this problem in the passage that we read today. He makes it very clear what it means to be a Christian. And so there's no reason for anybody to be confused or deceived. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but not many are willing to pay the price our Lord Jesus Christ is talking about here in the passage. As Christians, the cost is to become a disciple of Christ. Look at the first verse that we read in the Gospel today, verse 25. He says, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them. And then he starts talking about what he said to them. Isn't it interesting uh, that in the Gospel, look at what interests Christ. We see this in the ministry many times. Our Lord Jesus Christ is not interested at all in numbers. He's not impressed by the amount of people that is following him. He's not impressed by the amount of people maybe in church or the number of activities that we do. He's not impressed simply by maybe the number of hours you spend in the church. He wants something more than this, deeper than this. In the book of Proverbs, he says, My son, give me your heart. This is what he desires. So you see, the minute, if you look at the verse, it says, Now great multitudes went with him. As soon as he saw there are tons of people with him, he's like, you know what? Let me turn around and make sure that they know what really is going on. Even if I have to thin out the numbers, that's okay, as long as they know what it really means to follow me. I don't want people just pretending to follow me. It may look good or feel good, but I'd rather have people who really give me 
their heart. As leaders actually in the ministry or people who are in service, this is an important message for us as well. Sometimes like as Sunday school servants or uh, ministers in any sort of uh, capacity or even as priests, we're interested sometimes in numbers. And Christ repeatedly in his ministry taught us the opposite. And today he reiterates that point. As soon as he sees a multitude, as soon as he sees lots of people, he's like, okay, there's a lot of people here. Let me make sure that they know what it really means to be a disciple. So who were these people who were following him? People who claimed to be followers of Christ. People who were positive in their attitudes, who were well-meaning. But they might mistake their positive attitude for real, true discipleship. They were willing, they were maybe even anxious to follow Christ as long as the cost is not too high or the demands is not too great. They were people who do lots of things that maybe we do also, many, many Christian things. They go to church, they may have gone to their synagogues, pray, they sing songs, they go to church, but they're not truly committed. In some ways, the people, the multitude that were following were sort of kind of along for the ride. And many of us sometimes are like this. They are, sometimes we're along for the ride because we're looking for Christ to solve our problems, to solve our money problems, our relationship problems, our health problems, whatever. But then they get discouraged when following our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't solve all their problems in life. These followers, or these type of followers, are casual followers, not committed followers. So the question that our Lord Jesus Christ is asking us today is which type of follower are you? The life of a disciple is a life full of surrender. Full of surrender to a cause that is bigger than our own. The life of a true disciple is a life of discipline. To transform our will, to conform to the will of God and not to the image of the world. Listen to what St. Paul says in Ephesians. He says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. So we are called to walk differently now. If I'm going to be Christian, if I'm going to be committed to God, I have to walk differently than everybody else. A disciple is a true follower of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, of necessity, by necessity, you are a disciple. So when you hear the word disciple, when you see the word disciple in the Bible, in the New Testament, you should think Christian. It's not only that the really serious Christians are the disciples. It's that in order to be Christian at all, in order to be Christian at all, you have to be a disciple. If you remember the book of Acts, it's so famous that it says the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Before that, they weren't even called Christians. They were called followers of the way or they were called the disciples. So all of these things are pertinent to all of us, not just those who may be uh, close to God or in the ministry or in service or whatever. Then our Lord Jesus Christ, he goes on to say, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, brothers, and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So the first payment in the cost of being a disciple is we must deny ourselves. We must deny ourselves. That means we have to put our commitment to God ahead of everything else in our lives. In our hearts, our Lord Jesus Christ comes before loved ones, before our self-interests, before our possessions, 
our careers, our hobbies, our social life, our houses, our cars, our material things, even our own lives. Our commitment to being a disciple of God will be tested as we live in the world. And sometimes actually our Lord Jesus Christ will not be our first choice. Nobody is perfect. But a true disciple makes a serious commitment in their hearts and does not continue in sin. You notice our Lord Jesus Christ says that this commitment level applies to anyone who comes to me. Everyone who wants to be a follower of Christ. He says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not hate father and mother and wife and children and his own life cannot be my disciple. It's a requirement. We need to be committed to the one who is truly committed to us on Golgotha. Our Lord Jesus Christ is asking for us to put Him first in the priorities of our life. Is this true for us? There's a very famous quote that says, A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing, is worth nothing. And this is very true. The second payment in the cost of discipleship is that we have to be committed above everything else. When our Lord Jesus Christ mentions bearing our cross in verse 27, Everybody knew exactly what he meant. The cross was not something uh, to look forward to. Everybody understood what it meant to be crucified. It meant to be embarrassed. It meant to be ashamed. It meant to have nothing. When a person is going to be crucified, they know that that person is walking towards their own death, giving up everything, saying goodbye to everything. There's no turning back. They're 100% committed. Our Lord Jesus Christ uses this illustration to show us that following Him means saying goodbye to our old life because of our new commitment to Him. Each one of us has different crosses to bear when we walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is our cross in our lives? Some of us joke sometimes and say that a family member or a close friend is our cross when they bug us or get us out on our nerves. But bearing our cross is not just enduring a small nuisance. It's a real sacrifice. It's, for example, calling you to a service when it's inconvenient. Sacrificing the opportunity for greater income in order to have more time with God. It's remaining committed to my children and my spouse even when things are difficult. Or it would be much easier for me to give up. We should be committed to our Lord Jesus Christ and to live a life that will glorify Him. I was listening to a sermon yesterday, or the day before, I can't remember. And the, the priest was talking, it was so, so interesting. He's talking about people who uh, live far away from a church. And you can imagine, you live in Nashville, you're close to churches, it's pretty easy. But if maybe, let's say, you lived in some other city in, in Tennessee that does not have a church. And you say, well, we don't go to church very often because, you know, we live far away. We live like three, four hours away from the closest church. And the priest was so, like, blunt. He said, why don't you move? You live far away from a church, you should move. I said, well, we have our job, and... You know, we have our livelihood here in this city, and so we, we can't move. And he said, why don't you quit your job? And he said, well, quit my job, how am I, you know, what am I going to do? He said, get another job. And he's like, very, like, matter of fact. And the guy is like, what do you mean, you know? And, and, and the priest, he's talking, he said, what does your salvation mean to you? How much is your salvation really worth to you? Is it worth 
more? Is your job worth more? Is your livelihood worth more than your salvation? Move. Get another job. Move to a church, that, move to a place that has a church. So he, he's saying something that can apply to all of us is that we should remove excuses from our lives in being committed followers of God. If we're going to follow our Lord Jesus Christ, there is no going back. Actually, our Lord Jesus Christ, he put it in a different way. He said we have to count the cost of serving Christ. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, our Lord Jesus Christ says, nobody can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. I read this quote from a book this week while I was preparing this sermon uh, that I wanted to share a part of it with you. Uh, the book, the name of the book is called uh, Basic Christianity. It's written by a guy named John Scott. This is what he says in the book. The Christian landscape is strewn with the wreckage of the derelict, half-built towers, the ruins of those who began to build and were unable to finish. For thousands of people still ignore Christ's warning and undertake to follow him without first pausing to reflect on the, on the cost of doing so. The result is the great scandal of Christendom today, so-called nominal Christianity. In countries to which Christian civilization has spread, large numbers of people have covered themselves with a decent but thin veneer of Christianity. They have allowed themselves to become somewhat involved, enough to be respectable, but not enough to be uncomfortable. Their religion is a great, soft cushion. It protects them from the hard unpleasantness of life while changing its place and shape to suit their conveniences. No wonder the cynics speak of hypocrites in the church and dismiss religion as escapism. I have to be very, very careful that this does not apply to us. Because you know this applies to many, many Christians across the world and especially in the United States. When we commit our lives to Christ, he says that we need to commit it all. Listen to what verse 33 says in the passage that we read. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And remember I said, there is no difference between Christian and disciple. If I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple. So you cannot be a Christian. Imagine if I said it this way, I, you cannot be a Christian if you are not willing to forsake all. If you're not willing to forsake all. We need to understand what it means to be a Christian as our Lord Jesus Christ defined it. I need to ask myself, am I able to follow Jesus completely? Or am I willing, at least, to follow Jesus completely? We are all human. Sometimes we fall and we fail in our commitment. But our Lord Jesus Christ, I think He's not, is confronting here, is not our ability. He knows we are weak. He knows we'll fall. But our willingness to follow Him with our whole heart. For the majority of us here who are already Orthodox Christians, this is a lesson and a reminder of what being a Christian disciple truly is. Our Lord Jesus Christ's words are very, very strong this morning. He tells us what it will cost to truly follow Him. He calls us to commit ourselves to Him completely, not holding anything back. This is the picture of an authentic Christian. So our Lord Jesus Christ says to us this morning, count the cost, leave the things of this world behind, don't look back. And so you may look at this and you say, the cost of following Him is great. And it really is. It's a huge cost. But the reward is much, much greater. So today, as we pray the Divine Liturgy, uh, we can lift up our hearts and we can ask God in repentance if we have failed to be a true disciple, to commit to Him this morning, 
to say I'm going to be a true disciple, that I'm willing to forsake all and give all for his sake, and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Blessed are